Experiencing body dysmorphia can look so different in so many of us. Worrying about how a specific part of your body looks can have a huge impact on your everyday life and quickly decline your mental health. In today's podcast, we are going to be sharing our own experiences of body dysmorphia, the impact of diet cultures and how we can build our resilience to reduce and prevent the mental assault we aim at our appearance. As always, we are fortunate to be joined by Celia Lipvin, a clinical psychologist and the founder of clinically proven wellbeing app EQ. With years of experience providing counselling and therapy, specialising in clinical psychology, depression and anxiety, and systemic psychology, the science of relationships. As an extra treat today, we also have Shri Magdani joining us, marketing manager at PsychApps and fellow Gen Zia, who is happy to share her experiences on our important topic. Hi, both. Hi. Sheree, I wanted to start our conversation with you as we both grew up in a time where if you're watching TV in an evening, your parents are probably watching shows like Super Size versus Super Skinny and Fat Families. Do you think that being exposed to such negativity on weight at an early age has had an impact on how you see yourself now in your diet? Yeah, definitely. I think when I was when I was growing up, it was very much around the Disney girls um and watching disney channel as soon as you came back from school until you could go to bed um and one of the things i noticed at quite a young age is all of the princesses and all of the queens and all of the ones who were seen as being desirable were the skinny ones and then you had the ugly stepsisters for example who were the fat ones and there was always that kind of separation of if you're skinny you're beautiful and if you're fat you're not and i think that was instilled in my mind quite early on that it's not attractive to be a large girl and it's not attractive to you know look a certain way and if you if you don't look like a stick for example then you're not seen as beautiful and it it really messes with your mind especially as you're growing up in in a society where you know social media and the internet is emerging as well and we were very much in that era of msn and bbm and all of those days where you're constantly facing people and talking to people and people have a lot of other information externally at their fingertips and it was it was a scary time growing up to be honest absolutely and like the thought of having sugar just is like the worst thing you can do to your body Uh, and if you weren't this size zero you weren't seen as beautiful that was definitely like the stigma i felt growing up So with that in mind, Celia, how much do you think that early exposure to negativity on how we look or how we weigh impacts ourselves growing up? Oh, it does so hugely. And unfortunately, the impact starts earlier and earlier, specifically now with the rise of um, social media, with the rise or the existence of social media. So, so you guys are talking about um, your exposure to the Disney girls and to social media. For me, I'm a Gen X. That was pretty much the first time that I remember I was exposed to these thoughts of extreme skinniness was when the media went absolutely crazy over Ali McBeal being a size zero. And I remember looking at myself and I was a size, what was it, six or eight or something. And I'm like, wow, I have to be eight sizes skinnier to be worthy of beauty in society. And that was like this big aha moment where I was like, okay, something's got to change in me, which is, which is bad enough. But I was 17 
I wasn't 10, 11, 12, right? So this is where children usually start around 11 um, developing body dysmorphia and it's getting earlier and earlier. So there are children that are starting around eight and nine um, and it's mostly girls, but we do have a percentage of boys catching up on the body dysmorphia train, which is also tragic with about 79% of young children and pre-adolescents saying that their looks and their bodies are really important to them. And um, like 36% saying they would do anything to look like the way that they think they have to look. And about half of them worry every day about the way that they look. And of course, this is gonna have a huge impact on the way you perceive yourself, your interactions with others, what you eat, how you live, and how happy you are with your overall self for the rest of your life. And there, there are people that are recovering from body dysmorphia and eating disorders who are now 22, 28, 35, and 45 that still have that lingering. It's a little bit like an addiction. And that's, you know, in, in, in Germany, it's actually called an eating addiction, which is interestingly enough, not like an eating disorder because it will stick with you for the rest of your life. You will be like this little voice in your head as just as if you were an alcoholic that you can, you have to be very careful not to fall back into that pit. And if a life circumstance hits you like a divorce, a, life, a loss of a loved one or a job or anything, you can actually fall back into the trap of trying to control your body um, and be acceptable to society that way to get external validation. So it's absolutely huge and um, it's, it's very dangerous we lose people every day to anorexia, binge eating, um, and other um, eating disorders that you know are linked to suicide. So it's 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 really really bad, and we have to protect our children at all costs. So I know pre becoming an amazing psychologist, you were a model. Did you ever experience any negative stigma towards how your body looked at that time, and did it affect you, like by agencies or other models or just the public in general? Oh my God, yes, yes. So I was scouted when I was 16. I was at H&M shopping um, in Cologne when I was, an agent came towards me. And she said like, how tall are you? How old are you? And, you know, you're beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And then I came to the agency and I was super hyped up. And then she measured my butt. And she said, you need to lose 12 centimeters. Your butt is too big. And that's when I went on my very first diet and exercise journey and I can tell you that even now if you come towards me with a measuring band I will get heart palpitations it has affected me so deeply that the thought of falling short of how skinny I need to be and my agency being mad the clients being mad and me not living up to the standards that I was supposed to adhere to really really messed with me um I was always the big girl so my agencies was every once in a while they sit down with me and they'd say like listen you know you have to either lose um you know five centimeters to ten centimeters or you have to gain 20 centimeters so that you can go to the plus size so I was kind of like this in between thankfully in Germany the where I was living at the time there was a little bit more of the healthy girl look right so that was um, I, I still was able to model full-time for 17 years which is you know not nothing but it, it deeply affected me. I, I probably tried every single dieting method that can be taken over the counter, like 
all of them. I'm not going to list them because I don't want to give anybody any ideas, but like any miserable little thing that you can do, I did it. Um, and it, it, it affected me deeply. If I go to a casting, I'd always be one of the bigger girls. Um, and at parties, people would come to me at model parties and say, you know what? You're not as skinny as the other girls. You look healthy. I like that. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I want you to think you look at me and think, oh, the poor girl, give her a hamburger. <laughs> so it's, it's absolutely warped thinking. And while I do not think that I qualified for the diagnosis of an eating disorder, I definitely had anorexic thinking, right? And it took me many, many years to get out of it. And like I just said, it's something that sticks with you. So even now, sometimes I look at myself and I just zoom in on the bad spots. And then I have to kind of like correct myself and say, okay, you know, there is absolutely no value add by zooming in on, you know, weak body weakness perceived. I'm doing air quotes, right? Because I'm healthy. I'm, I'm within the realm of, you know, a, a healthy BMI. And I, I think I still look good, you know, considering I'm Gen X, <laughs> but see, there's another thought pattern. I accidentally put ageism into that, which is also a thing with modeling. So Funny situation, I was in Dubai working and I was 32 with one of the oldest girls, but I was pretending to be 25 because obviously, you know, 32, you're too old. And this young Canadian girl came in the model. She said, oh, the model quality here in Dubai is really bad. I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, they're so fat and they're so old. She went to a casting, a girl was 27. And me at 32, I'm like, ew. <laughs> but that's the mindset you live in. And it's just so unhealthy. And I'm, I think it's a, it was a great opportunity, but it also, it comes with so many, so many negatives that you really, really have to be careful. I'm so grateful for my family that my self-esteem was strong enough that I didn't actually, you know, go get really sick or do anything, you know, like take hard drugs to be able to maintain a skinny, you know, figure. That's crazy that we perceive models to be this glamorous job that everybody aspires to be, yet it's really damaging. And it could also be the saddest job to do, really. Yeah. Some Sometimes moms come to me and they say, oh, my daughter, she just turned 14 and uh, an agency in Milan wants to, you want me to send her? <laughs> Are you insane? Sending your 14-year-old daughter alone to Milan, which is like the cesspool of all negativity in the world, where she would be alone with all these people measuring her, poking, prodding her, and making her the most beautiful young girl feel like a piece of poop? Like, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Like, you know, if you have to, when she's 16, you go with her, but absolutely not. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of our body dysmorphia thoughts can also sometimes come from people that are closest to us, not particularly in a malicious way. But I remember when I was at school, someone made a comment about the size of my nose and that has stuck with me and I edit my nose on every picture. Um, and I just wonder if you guys think like having somebody close to you say something like that about how you look if that is also as damaging as seeing these models and Disney princesses yeah I completely agree with that I think I didn't even have a problem with my body growing up I was just one of those kids that just wanted to have a lot of fun play with my friends and do things that a normal 13 year old would do and it was only when kind of all the girls in my school, when I was at a state school, but I don't think that makes any difference whatsoever. But I was in a school where everyone was kind of hitting puberty earlier than I was. And, 
you know, their body was changing and they were becoming more confident in the fact that they were getting their curves and they were, you know, they were looking more attractive to all the boys in the school and whatever. And I remember my actual closest group of friends, one of them said to me, oh, we just think you're a bit fat. And I, from that day, I was like, bearing in mind back then I was skinny and I see photos of myself now and I'm like, you silly girl, why did you ever think that you were fat because of these girls? And, you know, that one girl said that one thing and then it happened a few more times after that. And that was when I was 13. I'm 26 years old now. And I still think it if I see photos and it's in an angle where I don't look tiny or, you know, I haven't been to the gym for three days. I freak out mentally because I'm like, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to get fat. And my rational state of mind knows that that's not possible in three days of not going to the gym. I know that angles sometimes make people look different. I know that. I already know that in my brain. But then I see those photos where I see myself and I'm like, oh, no, Shri, get yourself to the gym, get moving. And it's so unhealthy that something that happens that early on in your life can still affect you now. And even now, like I'll look in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, oh gosh. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? You look, you look quite good. And then, but the majority of the time I'm like, oh, there's still stuff to improve on, Shri. Come on, let's get moving. And it's, it's scary and it's sad as well because this happens to so many girls. And I think people I mean, I, at that age, I can understand and I can slightly sympathize with the fact that they don't know the power of their words. But I just wish people were taught a lot earlier on that things like that can really, really affect girls growing up, boys growing up. You know, the boys that go to the gym early on, their parents let them have a gym membership. So they start pumping and they get bigger. They seem more attractive to the girls. And that's what the guys want as well. They want to, everyone wants to feel more desirable. And it's it's really damaging to our lives because we spend so much time focusing on looking good that we forget to feel good at the same time and you're you're so focused on how your outside looks that you're damaging yourself in the long run and it's 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 a dangerous path to go down i absolutely second that and research shows that close family and friends have as or can have as negative an impact on body image as all the social media celebrities and um, you know movie stars can have combined. And there's actually one one famous advocate. Her name is Jenna Bush. She's um, the daughter of the ex president, ex American president. And she shared a story of when she was like eleven or twelve at the beach, and her grandmother told her, "Oh, you're getting pudgy." And ever since she had an eating disorder because of a flippant remark that her grandmother said at the beach and her grandmother apologized for it like 20 years later saying that her own state of mind made her unwell that she would actually comment on an 11 year old's body but it's really important that we you know we can't go back in time and you know arm ourselves with the knowledge that sometimes people say these things but maybe we could do that to our children say there will come a time that someone will say something about your body and that you have to be aware that has often nothing to do with you like the nose or the you know all of a sudden girls saying we think you're fat oh my god like how horrible is that or with me I was on the, on the board writing something in school and then someone made a remark about my butt being big and that, that kind of stuck with me right so that we know there is going to come a time somebody's going to say something it could be an uncle you love it could be your dad flippantly saying oh you like chocolate milk it could be your mom saying in in our house in our family we used to be skinny or we have all big two big boobs or whatever it is you have to expect that and you have to 
let it kind of like roll off of you, which is really, really hard to do. I just wanted to say as well, I think culture plays a big part of it as well. Um, so I can't speak for other cultures, but mine in particular, I come from an Indian background and it's a thing and I don't know why it's still a thing but you are seen as for girls in particular you're prettier if you have fairer skin if you're skinnier if you you walk in a certain way you talk in a certain way you know you present yourself in a certain way you can't kind of shift away from that path that you're not seen as desirable if you do shift away from that path and that was something that I had a lot of growing up and even to this day where you gain a little bit of weight and someone has something negative to say about it you lose a little bit of weight no matter why you could have been going through a a massive stressful period or you know you've just there's something deeply going on internally or something like that but you're almost praised for the fact that you've lost a little bit of weight. Like you'd go to a family event and people would be like, oh my God, Shri, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. But, you know, I could have been not eating for the past two weeks trying to get myself skinnier for this event because of the anxiety that comes with it. I've seen girls that, you know, they get married into a family and no, they she is the nicest person in the world. She has the loveliest heart. You know, they're really good together. But the only thing my like family have to say is, oh she's a bit dark though isn't she and it's infuriating in my mind that people still have that thought in their heads that if you don't look a certain way you you're nothing beyond that that's just you as a person and they're almost put into this box where they're the undesirable people and it's it's I used to think it was an old way of thinking and it was back in the day but it's still very evident now that it's a thing and it's awful especially when you're out and about and people say stuff like that to you and you're you know a lot of people say it about themselves now because they just they know it's going to come out of somebody else's mouth so they'd rather acknowledge it and address it and make a joke out of it before it becomes a thing and you know it happens day to day especially in my culture and I'm sure it happens in so many other cultures as well and I know you know I've read this book about the Chinese culture and how your feet had to be a certain size I can't remember what the book was called and they used to put their shoes their feet in these clogs so they wouldn't grow bigger than they were supposed to be and stuff like that and it's 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 so so damaging definitely I don't think that there's much change happened in the sense of that I think mental health is more of a topic that we can discuss but you know beauty standards are still set and I know I scroll on TikTok probably too much in my evening. And if I get into the wrong algorithm, I will be scrolling through videos of Kim Kardashian diets and liquid diets. Let's try and have one can of soup all day and see how much weight I can lose. And it's really damaging, but you don't realize it because all you're doing is sat on your phone scrolling like everybody else is in the world. Um, So my question to you, Celia, is like, how much do you think diet culture has an impact on us mentally without us even knowing? Oh, I, I think it has a huge impact. Um, I would say it, it, it permeates so many parts of our lives that we don't even think that it does because it deeply impacts our sense of self and our sense of self-worth. And so that goes into your work, who your friends are, what you do in your free time, what you eat, what you buy, right? So I like I'm not a conspiracy theorist I don't think that um there's someone sat there like you know the guy the Victoria's Secret guy in Idaho saying like okay how can we make uh, young girls miserable 
But I do know that the brain reacts strongly to risk factors and negativity because that's the way we've survived um, in evolution. And if we are consistently perceiving a threat or a risk, we are more vulnerable and we're more high alert and we can be targeted differently with solutions that are supposedly going to solve and calm the, those feelings of anxiety and risk. And if you look at any magazine back in the days when magazines were big, like a Vogue or something, you'd have an article saying um, self-love and self in seven steps. Then the next page would be, you know, a campaign from Prada with a very skinny girl. Then the next page would be how to lose um, 12 pounds in um, two weeks to be hot for the summer, you know, hot girl summer. And then the next page would be buy this bag that, you know, costs a hundred pounds to make for 4,000 pounds. And that's how you get people occupied and how you get people consuming. And so you, you are self-medicating a whole population and a whole society to stay in the loop of consume and self-medication, be it food or travel or, you know, just products like TV and um, movies and everything. So it, it, it's something that serves a small group of capitalists, mega companies and until people are able to heal enough that they don't feel the need to consume those things and expose those things to the nature of social media, it's not going to stop, right? Because that's a human nature functions that way. I think also there's, um, there's this whole thing at the moment, and I don't know if it's something that I'm hearing more and more, people are talking about it more and more, or I'm just noticing it more and more. But Silly, I have a question for you about this because I want to know if it's actually a thing. But there's this whole thing around pretty privilege. And it's the fact that a, a female or male can get further in life or it's easier for them to maneuver in life, be it career, be it relationships, be it friendships, because of the way they look. Is that actually a thing? Do people get further in life because they're seen as being more attractive? Yes, pretty privilege is absolutely a thing it's a part of evolutionary psychology and people who are or women who are perceived to be more beautiful are also perceived to be more intelligent um more nicer um and more competent men for example who are taller are also perceived more intelligent more competent more trustworthy more dominant and um that's a part of um, evolution because the person who looks beautiful is perceived to be more healthy and therefore a better investment for future children and offspring, right? So that's where it comes from. So we are attracted towards beauty because it equivalents into health, but that has been perverted along the line because being size zero is not healthy anymore. So our brains can be tricked into thinking something is beautiful without it actually being adhering to health, to real health standards. So unfortunately it's true. Um, we, we can't separate society from pretty privilege. It's a thing. It's not fair. And thankfully not all society is absolutely enslaved to it. So you will feel find even if you are conventionally ugly or your middle ground, you will find people who find beauty in you and you will find your tribe and friends and you will be able to make it in life. But it is just easier 
if you are culturally perceived to be beautiful. That's it's so annoying that that's a thing and it's still a thing. And I think there's a lot of people as well who just follow society rules when it comes to stuff like that to what the perception of beauty is because you have that one day where the Kardashians are really curvy for example and that's seen as really attractive then the next day they've gone on a fad diet and they're really skinny all of them are really skinny again and then that's seen as attractive and while the skinny girls weren't seen as attractive when the Kardashians were curvy they're now it's you know it's it's just ridiculous that it's just this back and forth battle of what people perceive as beauty yeah, and those cycles are getting shorter and shorter, right? So um, back in the days that, you know, being curvy uh, was attractive for like 200 years. And then, you know, skinny was attractive for 200 years. And now we're looking at cycles of what was it, four years of um, being skinny thick, um, you know, which is practically impossible without surgery. And, and now it's back to skinny. And it's like having a body is not a fashion. And, you know, it's it's so unhealthy. And it's, it's something that you have to really kind of arm yourself against to just remain somewhat sane it all ties into the unrealistic beauty standards really and there's a lot of companies out there that are continuing to do that I know growing up obviously the Barbie movie is so big now but Barbie when I was growing up was seen as like a bad thing and you shouldn't want to be a Barbie and you shouldn't want to look like that and I guess now like you said Sheree it's sort of the Kardashians um, but working in marketing, Cherie, do you believe that these brands or celebrities have had the effect on how you judge yourself or how you judge, you know, your self-brand? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was saying this to a friend a couple of weeks back because um, I used to paint a lot and I used to sell paintings a lot as well. And I found that people who were beautiful, be it a guy or a girl, and they were an artist, if they posted a photo with them stood next to their painting, they were, the chances of them selling that painting was a lot higher than somebody who was perceived as less attractive standing next to a painting. And it, it was crazy to me that, you know, you buy the painting for the art, for example, you don't buy it for the person who stood next to it, you don't get that person, you get their work. And that was their way of marketing their, their artwork. It was, by putting themselves next to it because they knew that they were they were beautiful which is great of course but then it made us less attractive artists <laughs> we wouldn't put ourselves next to our paintings for example because why would we we we're scared it's going to decrease our sales rather than increase our sales um and i think in marketing as well there's a there's this whole culture of photoshopping and you know fixing and removing blemishes and stuff and that's not even just for people it's for things as well you take a photo you see a speck of dirt you're going to remove it you remove any imperfection in a photo to make it seem more beautiful and make it look perfect when in reality when you're trying to market something you have to remember that not everything is perfect and that's that should be the fun of it as well it's the journey it's the the audience grows with you you know you everyone evolves together but it's not like that. If you're scrolling through Instagram, for example, and you see something, for example, a plate of food that somebody's taken a photo of and it looks really messy, it's not going to look good to you. But if it's the perfect plate of food and everything is where it should be, it's going to be more desirable and those likes will skyrocket, for example. And it's something that we kind of have to remember as well, because in marketing, 
they're our audience at the end of the day. And we have to make things look perfect to make it seem more desirable, to make it look like it's something that they want to buy into. Um, and it takes a lot of time editing and touching up and doing things like that to get to the point where you think, okay, the audience might like this. And then you see something and you're like, oh my gosh, no, I forgot to take out this speck or that speck or this bit of hair is flying around or something. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a vicious, vicious cycle. <laughs> it is. It's so tempting to not do that as well. And I think a lot of our listeners will be finding that as well. I'm a hypocrite myself because I'm like, you shouldn't edit yourself. I edit every picture that I take. Like my Instagram is fake and I don't want it to be, but for my own self-esteem, I feel like it has to be. And because I've set myself my own beauty standards, now I've got to keep up with it. Um, And it's kind of boring because everybody looks the same and nobody's got that uniqueness. Um, So Celia, to round up with your endless wisdom, please could you give us and our listeners tips to build our resilience and ways we can practice a positive mindset regarding our appearance? If you are listening to this podcast and a lot of the topics resonate with you and you've maybe felt pain throughout listening to what we've been saying and through because of your own experiences, I think investing in a life coach slash therapist for a couple of sessions to be able to work on your self-worth and your body image is a present or a gift you can give yourself for the rest of your life. Because that impact that we had when we were absolutely vulnerable and didn't, you know, we didn't have any defense mechanisms when we were 12, 13, 14, 17, um, that's happened right and we can only make it easier for us going forward and being able to live in a place of self-love and self-joy that's number one topic so if you if you can afford that for yourself do it instead of buying those pair of shoes (laughs) or you know going out to a pub to drown your sorrows for a month like go go see someone speak to someone it's gonna you're gonna be happy happy about that then there are a couple of other things you can do for example when people tell you things and they comment on the way you look, it's kind of sometimes their own demons, and I'm doing little air quotes right now, that are speaking to you. So it's their own mental illness or mental unwell-being that's commenting on you. They see something they don't like within their self on you, and they need to share that pain. And being able to understand that it often has nothing to do with you, it has something to do with them, it tells more about them than you, will help you not get affected by it, not actually take it personally. So that's really, really important. Then you need to be very aware about your surroundings and what you consume. My favorite uh, mantra is unfollow and unfriend. If you follow people, like I have a very good friend. She's a large social media influencer. I've muted her. I can't watch her because when I watch her, I compare myself to her life and she's, you know, she's very very wealthy and she's very very skinny and I love her to bits but the way she portrays herself doesn't make me feel good about myself and I said I want to have the personal real her when we meet and we talk and we have chit chat and our coffee I don't want the stylized influencer version of her so I mute her if she had a bad personality I wouldn't be friends with her anymore so if you have people in your life that are toxic and they constantly you come home after meeting them feeling bad about yourself that is a definitely sign that you need to distance yourself from them or at least set very strong boundaries. Like if you have an aunt that comes in and says, oh, you lost, you, you lost weight, you look amazing. And you know, say, this is not helpful. I want you to comment on this, this, and this, and this. 
everything else is off limits. And if you don't adhere to it, I will not be seeing you anymore. And people absolutely hate that, but you will understand who deserves to be in your life and who doesn't. Then be conscious about what you consume on a social media level as well. So you said sometimes, Amelia, you're in the algorithm and you go all down this like, you have to consciously curate what you like, what you don't like, and then um, lead yourself down the path of what you consume because it's it will feed you more of what you react to. And of course, your brain is going to react to things that are often not really helpful for you. So if you notice like after three or four videos of, thigh gaps and skinny drinks and stuff like that you know put in a search word like kittens or um art or bahamas or something like that and change that you know change that and dislike and unfollow and block accounts that don't make you happy and like all the positive ones and there's a lot of body positivity uh, influencers out there there's one girl she she cooks and she always does a picture of instagram versus reality and when in the same second, she's wearing the same outfit, she looks like a super top model, slim and everything. And then she's just standing normally without like sticking her butt out and everything. And she looks, she looks like a normal human being. It's in the same two minutes, right? And that just reminds you, reminds you, reminds you. And it, it makes you stronger for the other um, stuff that you're um, watching. Then to live healthily, meaning that there is so much stuff out there that will make us sick and will make us when I say fat, I mean in an unhealthy way. I'm not talking about being having curves. I'm not talking about being your better self. I'm talking about like excessive fat that is unhealthy. When I go to the States where half of my family is, three weeks I come back with five kilo more because of all the processed foods and the sugars, like even the meats all have sugars in them. So just being aware of what you're consuming for the sake of your health will also help a positive body image because you know that you're nurturing your body and you're not just stuffing it with, with foods. And it's not about diet culture it's about conscious living there's a couple of things you can do about seeing yourself more beautifully because everybody even top models say they there's something about themselves that they hate and everybody else is like are you insane but every person has that right so what we can do is we can concentrate on the beautiful things that we we see in ourselves so for example um something that you love and then you affirm it you look at it and you say i really love that like Amelia, you have beautiful blue eyes and sure you have this amazing hair, like celebrate it, live it, look at it, enjoy it, like drink it in, make it a part of something that, you know, you're, you're proud of and, and you know that speaks for you. And, you know, then you start concentrating on the next thing. You know, maybe your lips are beautiful. Maybe the posture is great. Maybe it's, it's the way you speak, you know, so just find these things, accumulate them and, and concentrate on those. And then if, if there's something of, that you don't like about yourself, it's going to be less, less problematic because you have like five things that are working for you. Realize that, you know, someone's trash is someone else's treasure. <laughs> I've, I've often been polarizing in my life. So either some men would think I'm the most beautiful woman ever, or they thought I'm absolutely mad, <laughs> you know, because they like a different type. And I will never be able to be, um, you know, the most beautiful girl for anyone in the world. So understand that people have types and that's okay and that you find the person to love you will either really love you for who you are or will also love you for the way you look and that's that's okay too and then of course you can work on yourself because there's a difference between benign and malicious envy so if we start looking at people with envy and say okay this is 
the standard that I should be adhering to and I envy it? Is it something that can actually foster growth? Say, you know what? I actually do want to live healthier. I want to work out more. I want to work on, you know, making my skin more clear, less pimples, which means that I do a scrub or something, which is not a bad thing. We can take care of ourselves. Like, you know, body positivity doesn't mean we have to go out in jogging um, pants every day with greasy hair and pimples. It doesn't have to be that way. We can find a balance. And if we feel ourselves being maliciously envy towards other people, then that is something we need to work on. We need to find that wound and we need to heal it and we need to make peace with ourselves. And so the moment you feel getting really angry or upset or envious at another person, ask yourself, what does this say about me? Where's the wound in me? And that's what you can work on to heal. That's, that's your journey. That's your job is to heal that wound. And it's their job to stop posting super Photoshop, crazy pictures of their lifestyle that is you know, super unrelatable. And if they don't do that, unfollow them. Thank you both so much for that. I feel like I've been on my own journey, this podcast, <laughs> for loving myself a little bit more. And I hope you guys listening have too. Uh, as always, let us know if there are any topics that you would like us to talk about in the upcoming weeks and stay tuned for the next podcast.